Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Amen. Amen. It is so good to see you guys, and I hope you're having a good morning. Happy Thanksgiving week, and uh, I hope you have some great plans. We're going to have some ribeye roast and uh, I think mashed potatoes and the green beans with all the crusty stuff over the top of it, and uh, that's going to be good. We don't do turkey. Our family is not a big turkey family. They call me turkey, but... Um, that we're not much of a turkey family, so we're just going to have a really, really good time. And I hope you're anxious and excited about hanging out with family and, and, and doing some crazy things. Hope, do you have any crazy like things that you do? Um, we don't. We just kind of hang out and eat and, play, and watch football. And, uh, and then the ladies that don't like football, they do something else. And I'm not sure what that is. <clears throat> but um, we're, we're going to have a great time. And, and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be grateful for. And uh, <clears throat> the number one thing is simply that we have the opportunity to worship Jesus. And that there's nothing better than that. Nothing, nothing is better than that. Um, I want to encourage you uh, to plan your year-end giving. Year-end giving is one of those things where if you have maybe you're a, you're a once-a-year tither and not just a a month-to-month or week-to-week, whatever you do in a tithing thing. Maybe you've, you've saved up for the year and you're tithing at the end of the year, whatever that may be. Or if you just have a, a heart, heart to give. We always have Journey Cares, which is our local and global missions fund. And so if you ever want to give to that, our local part of it, we use those funds to help others that are in need. And so if you have um, an opportunity to give to our Journey Cares fund, that would be wonderful. You can always... Um, just give, and that's amazing. Some Several people have done that already, and it's been an absolute blessing to watch what God is doing there. And um, we're just blessed to be able to give to God and encourage you to, to plan your year in giving, and we appreciate that so much. The mission of this church is moving forward. I'm very excited about 2023, and uh, the beginning of 2023, we'll share uh, everything that God is speaking to us and the vision that we have going on, and uh, very, very excited about that. We also have a partnership uh, of our toy drive. I want to encourage you, uh, bring an unwrapped toy uh, to uh, help with the toy drive. Next week is the last week to give to that. So we encourage you to give to the toy drive as much as you possibly can and uh, be prepared for that. And also Black Sheep, uh, this coming Saturday, they, once a month they meet at Vaughn's down on the Ave. And um, they meet on a Saturday at 5 p.m. They feed the needy in the area, and they witness and share their faith with, with others. And if you want to be a part of that, we encourage you. That Black Sheep is our part, one of our partner ministries. And we just encourage you to engage in that. Go down there, hang out. And uh, they'll, if you're a little unsure about safety and all that, they'll take care of you um, and make sure that there's no safety issues. But um, want to make sure that you have a great opportunity to be a part of something that they're doing. They do it on a monthly basis. They go down there and they witness and they share their faith. And it's a, it's a great, great opportunity. And, um, <clears throat> and so be a part of that Black Sheep experience next Saturday at 5 p.m. at Vaughn's on the app. And it would, you, you will enjoy it. Well, we've been in a series called Just Saying. 
Just saying, just saying the, the things that James, the book of James in the Bible says to us. And he's kind of a in-your-face guy. He's kind of an in, you know, just tell it like it is kind of guy. And, you know, he probably would be the guy in our contemporary world who would say, you know, get your act together. I'm just saying. And he would be that guy. He would be that guy that holds us accountable. We've said this the, through the whole entire message series. We've said that living right is the only way to health in an unstable and confused world. I'm just saying. Okay? Living right is the only way to health in an unstable and confused world. And that's what James is really all about. It's about speaking to a whole bunch of dispersed Christians, Jewish Christians that had spread out throughout the world. And he wrote this letter for these group of people to be able to have this confidence or this, um, this strength in the time of persecution, in the time of spreading out, in the time of in, engaging in other cultures, all these kinds of things. And he was speaking about uh, these things to these Christians. And um, we talked about, and he talks about in his book, Suffering Develops the Strength to Persevere, that we should count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds because it creates perseverance and character and hope. And those are the things that suffering experiences it's not you're not suffering if you have a hangnail but you're suffering if you're going through very difficult times that change you and reshape you and remold you into more like Jesus we said during that sermon we said a tough life develops a tough faith a tough life develops a tough faith we talked about faith and deeds we talked about don't just talk the talk but walk the walk do the things that, and, and, and James goes as far as saying, I don't need to talk, I just need to show you by my deeds what I believe. And so we gave $1,200 that weekend to the needs of people in our church. And that was amazing, just a spontaneous offering, $1,200. We talked about taming the tongue, and, or, or the, taming the text in today's world. Um, taming our, our speech, making sure that it's in control of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is the one speaking out of us and through us. That's really important. We talked a couple weeks ago about humility wins in conflict. When we have conflict with each other, we need to be humble. and We need to come with redemptive intentions to that relationship, not hurtful uh, intentions to that relationship. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the nuggets we shared is know whether your wisdom is from heaven or hell. And you can read James about that. But um, basically, if your wisdom is about you, that's from hell. If it's about others, it's from heaven. Simple. Okay, and I know you're, you're like, well, I'm, a, I'm wise for myself. No, you're, you're, you're about yourself. That's not the intention of, the, of Christianity. We're about others. And that's the whole, the whole uh, part of, of <clears throat> what James is speaking about is that we live for Jesus. We don't live for ourselves. And etc. There's a whole bunch of other things that he has said in the book of James. Now today is going to be like trying on shoes. If you've ever been on shoe shopping and you try on shoes, you ask the person to bring you all these different shoes and you find out what fits. Okay, so I'm going to go through like five different nuggets at the end of this book. I, I wanted to preach just one of them, but the Lord just said, no, I want you to share all of these. And so we're going to go through little pockets of, of scripture. And then as we go through them, there'll be little nuggets. And maybe one doesn't fit you, but maybe something else does later on. And everybody's going to have a different fit. So fortunately, you have five options today to apply to your life. Or maybe all of them fit. And you'll, you'll feel like you're overwhelmed by the time we're done. 
So we start in James chapter 4, verse 13. And it says simply this. It says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not, why? Do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while then vanishes. Isn't that encouraging? Aren't you glad you came to church today? You are just a mist. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. I'm just saying. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Okay, so here we are with James getting up in our grill. And he's saying, what, what are you thinking about making all these plans for your life? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. How can you make plans for a year from now or two years from now? How can you say what they're saying? Today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. That sounds like a pretty certain kind of plan. It doesn't sound like a bad plan in most cases. People would say, hey, yeah, you have goals. Good job. Good job. You have plans. Good job. Good job. And what James is saying is why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And what he's confronting is not the idea of setting goals or things like that because those things are not bad ideas. But when we do it without the guidance and intention of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we become arrogant, he says. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In other words, who do you think you are? Coming up with your own plans. Proverbs says that the plans of man, seem, that, that they seem right in our minds, but they end up leading to death. We have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with our own plans. And instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Just humbly say... I think I'm in the Lord's will, or if it's the Lord's will, we will go to that place. We will go to that. And I, I've hung out with people, and I'll say, I'll see you tomorrow. And they'll go, Lord willing. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> you know, it, it, one, they're just simply saying, hey, I don't know what, has, what tomorrow has planned, but if I wake up, if you ever prayed that prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Have you ever prayed that with your child? What an awful prayer (laughs) for a child. (laughs) Now I lay me down to sleep. That's not bad. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die, (laughs) Mama, am I going to die tonight (laughs) before I wake? I pray the Lord my soul to take. What's going on here? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, and that's really what we're looking at, right? That's really what James is trying to get to, is are we in the Lord's will? Because if we're not, we're doing our own thing. And there's an arrogance about doing our own thing that says, I can drive this car better than you can. 
You know, Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, that sort of thing. It, do we do that? Do we say, Jesus, take the wheel? Or do I say, I got it? And nudge Jesus out of the driver's seat and take the wheel. If we do that, then we are arrogant. That's what this passage is saying. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. I got this. I know what's going on. I'm in control. I have plans. I have goals. I have a, I, I, it's my will, not your will. The very thing we said last week, it's not about getting God to do his will in heaven. It's about doing his will on earth. And if we don't connect with that thought, we will become arrogant. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So if we're not in the will of God and we're not doing what we should be doing, which is God's will, then we are out of it and in sin. And that's just plain talk. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So nugget number one is simply this. And I love this little statement. Live with urgency about God's will, not arrogance about your own. Rather than boast, believe. So the nugget for this little passage is simply this. Live with urgency about God's will. Discover it. Spend time figuring it out. What is God's will for your life? And there are things that we don't have to pray for. You don't have to pray whether you should share your faith or not. We know that's God's will. Amen. We don't have to pray about prayer. Lord, should I pray to you right now? I don't know. What... We don't have to do that because he says to pray. He says to give. There's things that we don't have to pray for, but if you're looking for this specific place in this specific direction, then we have to humble ourselves and say, God, show me your way so I don't go my way. And that's really, really important. Nugget number one, live with urgency about God's will, not arrogance about your own. Rather than boast, believe and go God's direction. <clears throat> Nugget number two, chapter five, it says, now listen, you rich people, and you're, if, if you have any money at all, you're going to get offended right here, okay? <clears throat> now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Just saying. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who, <clears throat> who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves on, in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. I'm just saying. So let's put this in, in perspective, first of all. God, isn't, God isn't, doesn't not like rich people. What he doesn't like are people who got rich out of hoarding and holding on to and greed and those kinds of things rather than the blessing that comes with a generous person. 
And what we have to understand is that most often what God, when God gives us something, he gives it so we can bless someone. So we're blessed to bless. We're not given to hoard. And he's addressing an attitude. And what's really interesting about this passage is it's prophetic. It's not just a, a message that says, hey, let me teach you something. This is like predictive of what will happen to people who are hoarding their funds. And so he's speaking specifically to people who have dealt with their finances in such a way that they've gathered them together and just holding on so tightly to them, thinking that they're creating their own security, that they've released control, that they've taken control away from God and, and, and brought him into themselves. So much so that they've cheated people, so much so that they've, they've, they've uh, <clears throat> uh, done murdered people in the sense of when, when he talks in the very last passage, he says, you have condemned and murdered the innocent one. This is talking about the people that are working for him and have no means of eating unless they get paid. And so these people are not getting paid and they're, they're being cheated out of a, 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 a wage that they've earned. And they weren't even opposing the rich person. They were working for the person. And so this is a prophetic word to anybody in this room, all of us, that we must take a, a generosity perspective of finances and the blessings that we have rather than a hoarding and trying to control our own destiny. That's the power of the word of God right here. And I'm so glad the word is saying it, not Ricardo. But basically this simple nugget is simply this, is, is is nugget number two, worship God with your wealth, don't worship wealth. Worship God with your wealth, don't worship wealth. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with having nice things or those kinds of things. But if you've gotten those things by cheating, if you've gotten those things by hoarding, if you've gotten those things by not being generous, not being a blessing to bless, then that's cheating out cheating God out of the opportunity to use you, first of all, and then to bless you, second of all. And so nugget number two is simply worship God with your wealth, don't worship wealth. God doesn't dislike the wealthy. He dislikes the unjust attitude of the wealthy. Why are you rich? That's the big question. Why do you have money in your savings? Why do you have money in your 401k? Why do you have money in all those things that are not bad things in and of themselves? But if you've decided that I'm going to hold back everything that God wants me to do so that I can have those things or that money, then that's the, the wrong attitude. You've begun, to, you've begun to worship wealth rather than use your wealth to worship God. And that's the nugget of number two. Just saying. What's really interesting about this is that James was martyred for what he said about rich people. He was martyred for one of these statements. He was confronting hoarding and he was confronting the, the church in the sense that, hey, you guys are really wealthy, but you're not doing anything to help others. And he was end up martyring, getting, being martyred for that reason, or one of that, for part of that reason. So nugget number two, worship God with your wealth. Don't worship wealth. Nugget number three. These are shoes we're all trying on, right? 
Like some of you are going, I don't have any money. I'm not, that's not my problem. <clears throat> if you have any money and you're not doing something with it, it is your problem. I'm just saying. Be patient then, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. This is a fun, this is a fun passage. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Woohoo! All right, there's four of you that are excited about that. <laughs> Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the, prophets who spoke, uh, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, all you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Now that last little sentence, couple sentences, are a parenthetical statement inside of his teaching. But let's go back up to the be patient part. Basically, Paul or James is saying to the, the dispersed Christians, hey, just hang in there. Jesus is coming. Now, what might have been misunderstood here is that Jesus is coming tomorrow. Now, here we are 2,000 years later or more, and he still hasn't come back. I grew up in the church, and I remember as a kid hearing all these sermons from my pastor. He's saying, Jesus is coming back. You don't, you don't know when he's coming back. In fact, you should not be in the movie theater. You should not be playing cards. You know, and I, I grew up in that kind of setting. And it, because if Jesus came back when you're in the theater, you're not going. I love movies. I wasn't a Christian. I was always in the theater, but I was always looking at the door going, oh, no. <laughs> we played cards with my grandma and grandpa, who I, I'm not sure they were Christians either, and, and we were playing cards and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and I was like, oh, man, we're just going to, going to hell. And then Billy Graham put out that movie, um, A Thief in the Night. It was in the theater. Tell me how confused I was when I saw that movie. I'm in the theater where I'm not supposed to be seeing a movie about when Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to take those that aren't in the theater. So anybody who went and watched the movie aren't going if he came back during the movie. <clears throat> now here's what I've learned. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And we don't know when he's coming back. But all the people from when James said this statement to now, all of those people have died. There will be a day where you and I will take our last breath. That's the day we need to worry about more than any other day. That's the day we need to wonder if we've done everything God wanted us to do. That's the day we need to understand. I like the, the have you heard the saying, the, the, the dash between the dates is really what matters? 
when you were born and when you die. Those are significant days. But everything in between, that dash, it's in between those dates. What matters right there? And that's the way we should live. We should live with the understanding that there will be a day where that breath is taken out of us. And if it's not, it's going to be that day when Jesus comes to get us. No matter what happens, there's going to be a day where it all stops and then it starts again. And we need to be concerned about when he's coming. And we need to be patient in that timing. I know if you're like me, I'm like, Jesus, come right now. This would be so cool. Boom. Jeans, tennis shoes, shirt, right there. I, well, I don't know if I'm going to go naked up there, but <clears throat> sorry to leave that image in your mind. <clears throat> There'll be counseling afterwards. <clears throat> but Jesus, we want him to come now, but we have to be patient. And, you know, I just got over a cold and I'm like, Lord, come quickly. I didn't enjoy that cold. I would have loved for him to come during that cold. I would have loved him to heal me, you know, whatever. But James is simply telling the dispersed Christians, the Christians that are struggling, the Christians that have been going through difficult times, hang in there because there is a day when Jesus is coming back. The judge is at the door. Don't treat each other poorly because you will be judged. We will be judged accordingly. Let's hang in there. Let's be loving to each other. Let's care for each other. Let's care for this world that we live in. And as we do, we will continue to obey God as we live here. And as we do, we will enjoy that, that, that last statement that said, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He will give us what we need during this time. He's full of compassion and mercy. And basically, nugget number three is simply this, hang in there, persevere, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. This little parenthetical statement, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to, simp to say is, simple, is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. It, I, theologians are having a hard time understanding why that statement is right there other than it's like James going, oh yeah, and by the way, I need to say something. Just stop swearing on anything just let your word be yes or no okay simple that's a just saying simple thing that James is like what I need to say this hang in there it's worth the wait I believe that with all my heart and it's not just hang in there let's be busy while we're hanging in there let's do God's will let's, let's accomplish something for him right Let's make a difference in this world. We can hang in there and go, I'm just going to hang in here in the corner and I'm going to try and just be protected by all the environment, the things I don't want to get hurt or anything. No, let's go and get busy and let's confront the enemy and let's <clears throat> do some damage to his, his territory. Nugget number three, hang in there. It's worth the wait. Nugget number four, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, make it a, therefore confess your sins to each other and, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love this. Is anyone in trouble? What do we do? If anyone's happy, what do we do? Sing. Even if you can't sing, sing. Put out some noise. Give God some praise. Acknowledge who it is that has made you happy. So if anyone's in trouble, pray. If anyone's happy, uh, sing songs of praise. If anyone's sick, call the elders and let them pray over you. And anoint you with oil, which is nothing, nothing crazy about the oil other than it's a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that in just a little bit. So if you're sick, call the elders and pray. If you have sin, confess. And forgiveness is available. And the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Nugget, nugget number four is simply this. Suffering should elicit prayer. Sufficiency should elicit praise. Happiness, joy should elicit praise. And sin should elicit confession. So those three things are in this packed in this little passage of a suffering should elicit prayer. And if we're going through stuff, we should call uh, uh, the elders of the church and have them come and anoint us with oil and pray over us. But this doesn't leave it there. It, it says to as Christians, therefore, <clears throat> confess your sins. Uh, some, some people believe that it says, therefore, make it a habit to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I'm not a big fan of, of blaming sin on every sickness that we have. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's the way God works, that every time we make a mistake, every time we sin, that God says, okay, now you get a disease. But this passage does seem to lean in a direction that it can cause sickness, that our sin can do us damage. And I believe that. I don't believe that sin will ever do us well. I have this saying that, you know, I pray that, I prayed this for my kids and I told them this. I said, I pray that you are miserable every time you sin. Thanks, Dad. So let's not ever grow comfortable in sin. And I don't think God's going to let us do that either, whether it's through conviction or whether that's through a sickness. No matter what it is, let's just get the sin out of there. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from some of the unrighteousness. No, from all unrighteousness, right? And so we have the blessing of being able to confess. And that, that confession doesn't have to happen through a priest. It doesn't, happen, doesn't have, to, have to happen with a pastor or an elder. It can happen with a brother or sister, which is, is, is a great thing. And when we start confessing our sins to each other, we can pray. We can hold each other accountable. We can ask and, 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 and say, how are you doing? Are you making it? Are you going? How can I help? All that sort of thing. So nugget number four is suffering should elicit prayer. Sufficiency should elicit praise, which is a powerful reality. When we're going through good stuff, we should be praising God. Amen? And we should just acknowledge who he is. And if sin is there, we should confess it. There's an example that James uses, and it's in verse 17 it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Isn't it interesting that he says, Elijah was a human being as we are. 
You say, oh man, we have pastors that, man, they really have the, the corner on prayer. Not true. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Human being. Our elders are humans. They're not cyborgs. They're not great, you know. I mean, they're good people. They're amazing people. But there's nothing ultimately special about us. It's the faith in whom we believe that makes us great, not ourselves. And so that's the power of understanding Elijah was a human being, but he believed in the Almighty God. And he saw things happen in prayer. And so prayer is something that we need to practice on a consistent basis. And lastly, this very last part of this passage, nugget number five. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. One of the interesting things, we used to use language a long time ago called backsliding. Remember that term? Yeah, and some, some people came to faith and then they walked away from the faith and they were backsliding. Or they were just walking away from the faith. I don't know. I mean, that used to be like the, the term to use when you were describing people who walked away and then came back. And um, <clears throat> this kind of leans in that direction to address that. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner, who that sinner is, is the person who wandered away from their error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And what that just simply says is no matter where you are at today, if you had faith and you've walked away, if you're online and you're checking this thing out and you've walked away from your, your faith, no matter what is going on, today we call them de-churched people. We call them de-churched. Now we need to rechurch them. But I don't believe in that rechurch word. I, I believe in let's rechrist them. Because it's not about the church, it's about who you're putting your faith in. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. And there's not a sin in this room that can't be restored. There's not a sin that can't be forgiven. There's not a, a person that can't be restored. There's not a relationship that can't be rebuilt. And if you've been hurt by the church, or you've been hurt by a, another Christian, or you've just walked away from because of sin in your own life, no matter what it is, come back. And we're inviting you to come back to Jesus because that is who you walked away from. Not the church, but Jesus. And I want to invite you back today. I want to invite you back today. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. <clears throat> I'm going to invite you up. If you want prayer, our elders are going to come. Our prayer warriors are going to come that have been asked to, to, to come up and and anoint with oil, and they're going to have oil in their, in their hands, and they're going to pray for you if you choose that. If you want to be healed, if you want to confess, you can confess. You don't have to confess to them. You can confess to a brother or sister sitting next to you saying, hey, can I just talk to you for a minute? And you can be raw and be sure you're, you're being confident, and it's confidential, and nothing that you say at this altar will ever be shared with anybody. Just you and God and that person. Let's practice these nuggets. Let's practice the, the, the teaching that God is giving us. 
And, and let's allow the Holy Spirit. We've, we simply talked about live with urgency about God's will. Maybe you're seeking God's will. You don't need someone to pray for you. You just need to come and pray. Seek out God's will for your life. Let that happen. Let, not, we don't need to be arrogant about our own plans. Let's just be, uh, believe that God wants to share his will with us. Let's worship God with our wealth rather than worship wealth. Let's hang in there because it's worth the wait. Heaven is coming someday. And whether it's when we take, yeah, <clears throat> whether it's when we take our last breath or whether it's when the trumpets sound and Jesus comes and takes us all back, no matter what, we're going. The ticket's been bought, you're on the bus, and it's going to happen. <clears throat> Why does it have to be a bus? Why can't it be a jet plane? Why can't it be... Suffering should elicit prayer. Sufficiency should elicit praise. Sin should elicit confession. And nugget number five, be redemptive, not judgmental. That's that last nugget. Be redemptive, not judgmental. Let's bring people back. Let's not push them away. With our rules, with our regulations, with our disgust of their sin. Maybe we should be disgusted with our own before we're disgusted with anybody else's. Let's start praying. Let's start worshiping. Let's start confessing. As we begin to lead, as you guys begin to lead us in worship. Are you here? There you are. <laughs> Let's just worship God. Let's not be in a hurry. It's 11.02. Normally go to 11.15, so we got time. All right? Let's just hang out with God. If you need prayer, our elders, our prayer warriors will be right here. And if you don't need prayer, just say, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm just seeking God's will. Hey, I'm good. I just have a moment to, to connect with God, whatever the need may be. But let's just spend time with God. Amen? Amen. I hope the, I hope the shoe fits today. I hope you've had fun shoe shopping and you found one that fits. And now it's time to respond to that and enjoy God and his presence and let him do his work in your heart and your mind. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in us right now. Thank you for the book of James that's just saying. Thank you for getting up in our face and our grill and telling us the truth, Lord. Thank you for giving us a book that stomps on our toes so that we can be right with you and we can live healthy and whole in this world, this crazy world we live in. Lord, today I pray that your Holy Spirit will just speak loudly to every heart and every mind in this room. God, if people are seeking your will, if people are, are, are needing healing, if people are, are needing to confess, if people just need to spend time in your presence, if people just need to praise because the sufficiency, we're happy and we praise you, God. Whatever it may be, I just pray that the power of your spirit would flow in this room right now. Use this message, God, to glorify yourself in us. Shine brightly in our hearts. Show us the dark corners and show us the reasons to celebrate and show us the reasons to confess. Help us, God, to align our hearts with you. We give you thanks and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Or maybe you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'll never pass up a, a service or an opportunity to invite someone to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're one of the backslidden people who kind of 
found faith and then walked away and now you're ready to come back. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ and you were kicking the tires of faith and now you're ready to, 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 to jump in and give your heart to Jesus. If that's you, will you just pray this simple prayer after me? Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. For I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes and I've done things that have disappointed you, but I ask for your forgiveness today. And I thank you for the work you did on the cross to buy, <clears throat> buy what it took to forgive me of my sins, to atone for my sins. Lord, I accept your forgiveness today. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and I will spend eternity with you. Whether, you. whether I go and join you at the last breath of my life or you come and get me, Lord, I'm excited about that day where I will spend eternity with you. And I believe that you are an eternal God. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.